Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, gonna, surprised you didn't say, I'm surprised you didn't say Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. Um... <laughs> I'm just going to start doing that from now on. It's just how, you didn't even notice I changed your name in the show notes. <laughs> no, no, I did not. I did not. See, I was so focused on my own notes. I didn't even look at yours. <laughs> I changed your name to Sergeant Pepper on there. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah, today is going to be a fun day, a fun episode that we are still recording ahead because of me moving to a new house. So uh, it's just been a crazy weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it has been. Yeah, it has been definitely. And, you know, I'm I'm really excited to do this episode uh, because this is our second film in, um, what is it, uh, Titans of Toho month that we're doing this month? Yes, the Titans of Toho. Uh, yeah, I forgot to mention that in the last episode that we did uh, where we reviewed a movie. But uh, for July, we are doing the Titans of Toho, which means it's Toho movies that are not your typical Godzilla movies. Um, the ones that are not the big uh, Godzilla, uh, Mothra, Rodan ones. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, so we're, we're doing that today. We're continuing that today. And we're going to be continuing that next week, too. Uh, Atragon was a lot of fun. It was a great conversation. And I'm looking forward to today's episode also. Yeah. Uh, before we get in, before we get into anything, I just have to say I have nowhere I I don't know where to put this in the episode because I, this is such a random thing. So I'm just saying it right off the bat. So I keep I keep little notes uh, and stuff so that if like I'm in you know laying in bed, uh, I get an idea for the podcast or something you know podcast related. I'll just put it in my phone, and I have a note in my phone that was from. Uh, a couple of days ago, that says Jet Jaguar, Megalon's butt. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me, it took me a second to remember what that was about, and I remembered what it was. Do we? So, well, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on. You said you were laying in bed when you got this episode or you got this idea or whatever it was. So do Travis, do we really want to know what you were thinking about before, <laughs> before you tell us? Well, this, this will, this gives everyone a glimpse into how my mind works. So ah, I'm laying okay. in bed and I'm thinking, so jet Jaguar has the power to grow gigantic. You know, he, he starts off the size of a human and becomes the size of Godzilla. So all he had to do to defeat Megalon was just fly up Megalon's butt and grow gigantic. Boom. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> like just just fly just fly right up Megalon's butt as when he's small and then grow gigantic and just pow. Let that flat. okay to all the audio <laughs> listeners out there. Just let that sink in just for a second. Just let the image of Jet Jaguar starting <laughs> off teeny bitty teeny tiny as a human size 
and then growing <laughs> big and gigantic to turn himself into a kaiju enema. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, I think I have my. I think I have the idea for our next kaiju clash. <laughs> oh boy! Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that out of the way. Um, we because we are recording ahead of time. Uh, we don't actually have any news items to talk about this week. Uh, I'm sure there is news happening in the world of giant monster movies, but this episode is being recorded two weeks in advance so uh mm. we are not aware of anything i'm sure godzilla versus kong has been delayed probably three more times since since the last time we and there's probably <laughs> been some more mill creek releases announced for for the ultraman series and as always the internet has probably freaked out about something that was ridiculous to freak out about so yeah we found out the the nature (laughs) we found out the loch ness monster is real and you know Uh, all that kind of stuff this may be actually be a funny uh, a fun thing to do here really quick just what news do you think would happen in the future like let's put let's future mike and future travis are projecting or are in the future or we're living out the present right how does this work (laughs) we're we're recording in the past we've got to go back to the future (laughs) <laughs> so my prediction is it is 2020 after all and there is a dust storm called Godzilla heading for the United States. It turns out it actually is Godzilla and we're all dead. <laughs> yeah. It's really uh, dark. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I mean, I, I still, I'm on the side of, I mean, we've, we had the, we had those pictures taken recently that were all over Twitter of something in Loch Ness. Uh, so I predict that sometime in the next two to three weeks, we find out that the Loch Ness monster is real. Yes. Yes. And, uh, was it, was it the photo of, it looked like, or it was it a photo? Was it a Photoshop that I saw? Maybe it was the Loch Ness, the Loch Ness monster with, uh, with Bigfoot riding on top of it, or something. <laughs> like that. It was some kind of meme or some kind of gif that I saw the other day. Uh, of course, yeah, I could have dreamed it too. I have really weird dreams, so who knows? Yeah, well, it's 2020. You never know that that kind of that that nothing is far fetched at this point in. in- in the year 2020 is very unpredictable i was hoping just for kind of a just the usual um you know uh dot zero release of a a century you know or a decade Mm -hmm. as as you will and just kind of just puddling just puttering along and just being just doing our thing just living our lives and nope nope not at all 2020 decided to give us our own kaiju size enema Yep. <laughs> um, so before we get into the main topic for this week, since we don't have any news items, I thought it would be fun if we played a little game here. Whoa, whoa, instead whoa, whoa, whoa. Of Hang on. You didn't tell news. me about this. You didn't tell me about uh-huh, this. Uh-huh. So you didn't have time to study for this one. You were supposed to run this by me. Anytime you make changes to the show format, you're supposed to tell me in advance. <laughs> I made an executive decision. Uh, oh, Kurt Russell. All right. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a movie. Uh, anyway. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the name of this game, I, I, I don't know if I like the name, but this is just what I'm going to call it for now. It's guess the bad review. So oh, that sounds fun. Okay. <laughs> so this is now we're not here to, to, uh, 
argue with people about their opinions on things. We're not here to criticize people for their, you know, opinions or whatever. But so we're just going to have fun. Just kind of, you know, just have fun. Um, but I went. I'm just letter- warning you now, Travis. Every answer is going to be Carnosaur. <laughs> well, I went on to. So here's how it works. I went on to Letterboxd. And I chose specific movies and looked looked for uh, and this is all going to be they're all going to be Godzilla movies. Uh, so that, okay. that tells all you they're right. all Godzilla movies. And I picked one of the lowest scoring or lowest rated, uh, um, like star starred reviews uh, on Letterboxd and uh, picked some really funny ones because le- the way Letterboxd is. Any kind of crazy person can post on there anytime they want. I mean, just look at the fact that Eric and Alex are on there from Monsters vs. Men. I know they just uh-huh. let any old they just let any old body on that platform. <laughs> I mean, come on. So I'm going to read a few of them to you. Okay. Uh, I think I have. Well, hang on, before we get started, before we get started, am I allowed to ask for clues, or do I just have to go in completely blind? I mean, it's more fun if you go in completely blind, but uh, I, there's a, there's at least one or two that you're going to have to ask clues for, but okay. most of them I think are going to be pretty obvious. Okay. All right. Let's do so, this. So they're just, they're just fun. Now this, these are real reviews from people. Now I took out the only changes I made to these reviews. I took out uh, the actual titles of the movies and things like that, you know, so things that in character names that would give it away too easily. Ah, okay. So. Okay, so uh, I think I have six of these, so I'll go through six of them, and a few of them are really short. Okay, so the first one. No thank you with it being black and white makes it too old-fashioned for me. I did see only clips of it, then I was bored. So what Godzilla movie do you think? Uh, Okay, so that narrows it it down to two, because there are only two black and white Mm -hmm. Godzilla films. So I've got a 50-50 shot here. I'm going to go with the way, the, the the nature of the internet and the way I know people are. I'm going to say Gojira. Yep, it was Gojira. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so so this person hadn't even seen the movie. They just saw clips and they said they were so boring and it was too old-fashioned. And they felt the need to give us that review. <laughs> <laughs> that, right. that, I bet that review came from Eric. <laughs> Too old-fashioned. All right, so here's an easy one, and it's a short one. Okay. Uh, uh, the woman say Kong a lot. Probably the best thing about the film. Uh, <laughs> with people. Read that. Read, read that one more time. Okay. I, I, the woman say Kong a lot. Probably the best thing about the film. Hmm. Okay, so that that gives me a 50-50 shot. 50. Oh, wait, you said they're all Godzilla films. Godzilla, okay. yeah. Well, duh, okay. Uh King Kong versus Godzilla, obviously. Yep. <laughs> I just I love that. Like this this one-star review of Godzilla or King Kong versus Godzilla. The woman say Kong a lot. Like yeah. If I had forgotten that point about them being Godzilla movies, I would have guessed King Kong escapes. Because in that movie, she's like, no, Kong, Kong, no. That's you true. Know. That's true. Yeah. But it's, it's just like, I mean, Kong is in the movie. Of course, the characters are going to say it a lot. Oh, yeah, man. So that's two of them, right, that we've done so far. Okay. Um, okay, okay. Here's uh, here's another one. Uh, I am so bored of these. A film with three monsters, aliens, love triangles, and cyborgs has no right to be this boring. 
Ugh, bring on the 80s. Hmm. I don't think okay. anybody has said bring on the 80s since the 80s. <laughs> hmm. Read that one more time. I am so bored of these. A film with three monsters, aliens, love triangles, and cyborgs has no right to be this boring. Ugh, bring on the 80s. Okay. So, hmm. Ha it has to be Invasion of the Astro Monster. Or Invasion of Astro Monster. Uh, no. What? This one no, is come on. This one is from Terror of Mechagodzilla. Oh no, God. Okay. Three you're monsters, right. aliens, uh, love triangles, and cyborgs. Oh, I should have dag on it. And bring on the 80s because it was the last film until the 80s. I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. I should have I should have latched on to that last little bit of bring on the 80s. Like who asked? We're for the 80s? we're oh. uh we're putting a lot of logic to these, to these oh boy. really okay. weird ones. Um, so so that's, that's two to one, two to one. So here's another short one. It's one sentence long and I'm sure you're going to get it, but it just says more like destroy all prints of this movie. Well, it has, it's obviously Carnosaur. <laughs> I just love this. I love what people who give like one sentence reviews on Letterboxd are the, are the best. They are. They're, and you know, half these, half these people haven't even probably watched the movie or if they have watched a movie, they've probably only watched maybe 10 minutes of the movie and decided they did immediately decided they didn't like it and then cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But it's obviously, it's obviously all monsters attack. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> it's destroy all monsters. <laughs> what? Someone hated destroy all monsters. What's wrong with these people? I know. I specifically chose that one because I was like, I know that Michael's going to be. <laughs> I love destroy all monsters. I sincerely love destroy all monsters. I wish we would go ahead and review it, but. You told me we're not allowed to review another Godzilla movie so close together. So you know. yeah, not too close together. Uh, <laughs> okay, so here's here's another one. Um, this ties into exactly what you just said about people on the internet. Um, and this one you're going to need clues for because I don't think you're going to get it just from the review. Okay. Okay. So here's the review. This is a real review that's on Letterboxd. I've this never, is probably a real winner, too. Oh, yeah. I've never actually seen this movie, and probably never will. I just needed something to log in place of Tales from Genesis Space, which we watched on a rabbit stream, but doesn't exist on this website, so now here we are. Okay. <laughs> this person this person didn't even watch the movie. They're just like, well, I, I just wanted to put something on for this other movie, but it's not on the website, so I'm just going to put this here. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I've never actually seen this movie and probably never will. I just needed something to log in place of Tales from Genesis Space. I don't even know what I that hate, is. I hate people. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm going to need clues for this. You're All right. right. It's, okay. it's one of my favorite Showa era. Uh, I was going to ask you what I was going to ask you what era it's from. Okay. Yeah. It's one so, of my all time favorite Showa era Godzilla films. Okay. Mm, I'm trying to think of what you've told me is your all-time favorite Showa-era Godzilla films. Oh, God. Um, knowing me, knowing which monsters and kaiju I like the most, which one do you think? Uh, oh, man, okay. 
that still doesn't quite narrow it down. And the actor who I really like too. Well, I, okay. I know you love Takarada. So it's, that narrows it down to a, a movie that Takarada was in. So that's like what? Like uh, 12. Eight, <laughs> like, I was going to yeah. say eight, eight or nine films. Uh, but also hmm. besides Godzilla, who is my favorite kaiju that I've mentioned. You mean those SOBs wrote that for uh, uh, Mothra versus Godzilla yes. from 64? <laughs> 1964 oh, Mothra versus Godzilla. <laughs> Come on. I love it. I love it so much. People are so dumb. <laughs> I knew. See, I, I had this sneaky feeling that they were, that they put that on there. Uh, they, they put that review on a movie that's actually good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'm never going to see this movie, but I just had to feel, I had to, uh, I had to have a placeholder for this other movie. That's not on this website. <laughs> that person is now canceled. <laughs> it's so bad. Okay. Here's another short one. And it just, it, it tells, so this person is an absolute wordsmith. They didn't need more words to describe exactly what's wrong with this film because it, they really get down to the meat and the heart of it in a simple sentence. <laughs> the biggest problem with this film is that it's terrible. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, you know... <laughs> <laughs> the biggest problem with this film is that it's. I'm terrible. not gonna. Okay, I'm not gonna ask for any context clues at all. I'm not. I'm not gonna ask for any clues. I'm just gonna throw a shot in the dark out here. All monsters attack. Nope. Oh. <laughs> it's Godzilla versus Gigan. Oh, come on, come on, people. How many is that that we've done so far? One, two. I think we should be on our last one. Okay. Okay. So we've got one more and this one's a long one. I'm sorry for anybody who <laughs> finds this tedious, but this person who wrote this review went on a journey and oh, I got to okay. just, I got, I got to read this to you. This is, <laughs> this is the most fascinating thing I have ever read. Okay. All right. So here's their review that they put on public on Letterboxd. Okay. I had a bad day. My coffee was bad. Work was loud and gross. And I'm mad at myself because I allowed myself to fall behind on my workout routine by nearly three months, effectively hitting the reset button. And now my butt is all, all but deflated. I did not want to watch this movie, especially after a crap day with dysphoria hitting me hard. Why do this to myself? Why not put on something I haven't seen before or for fantastic Mr. Fox that always makes me happy, but I did it anyway. And you know what? I'm glad I did because if I can force myself to sit through this disrespectful pile with an American actor and wisecracking dickhead military grunts inserted in all of the important parts chopped up or excised completely and re-edited to move so fast you're wondering how Godzilla ended up in a volcano by the end, I can certainly force myself to work out every other day so I can have a fat butt. <laughs> <laughs> this person went on a journey i swear oh, sweet <laughs> jesus they, oh they went on a journey you, there's a whole you, there's a whole story behind all this you obviously stole that from alex's letterbox account exactly alex alex <laughs> 
Alex, know, you need to get your fat butt in line. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to do more workouts because his, his butt's getting deflated and he has to work oh. it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love how it just starts off with how bad their day was. Like, I had a bad day. My coffee was bad. The coffee was bad. That's how bad the day was. The coffee was bad. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. The words were getting stuck in my throat. <laughs> Uh, maybe mm. maybe put on a movie something else. Maybe something like M Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which is terrible in itself. This person. Oh, <laughs> I love this okay. person. <laughs> All right. I got to get composed here for a second. All right. I got to bring it home. I... Okay. I'm gonna have to ask for context clues here. Okay. Um, well, in in the in the thing it said uh, uh, this uh, it said I, if I'm glad I did because if I can force myself to sit through this disrespectful pile with an American actor and wisecracking dickhead military grunts inserted in uh, all the important parts chopped up or excised completely and re-edited to move so fast you're wondering how Godzilla ended up in a volcano by the end. I can certainly force myself to work out every other day so I can have a fat behind. Oh, come on. They wrote that about 1984. <laughs> 19. Well, it's actually 1985 because it's the well, 85. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm but... sorry. Kaiju you nerd. I screwed that up because Raymond Burr was in 85, not 84. <laughs> they wrote that about Godzilla in 1985. <laughs> oh, <sweet laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I love I'm, it. You know, Travis, I'm done. I'm not doing this podcast anymore because <laughs> if, if there are people like this out there, I'm just not even going to bother. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it just all com comes back to the things that I keep saying about our podcast. It's one of the things that I really, really push forward with our podcast. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We just don't. And yeah, I, I post my reviews on Letterboxd. And if people don't uh, like the reviews or disagree with my views or whatever, that's fine. Um, my thing is when people get pedantic, it's like, how you know, I can't believe that you gave this movie three stars, but the other one five stars. And it's like, it's, it's just movies. It's just yeah. movies. <laughs> oh, so now, okay. So let me, let me just piggyback off of that. I had a really good conversation with, uh, with David. <clears throat> the other day and uh, David of the Kaiju apostle for anybody who doesn't know. Um, and he gave us a little bit of pushback um, on mine and your episode for the Kaiju groupie podcast, where we kind of talked about how they're just movies and stuff like that, which he said that, you know, he, uh, he actually mentioned about how, you know, what, if we can't pull some deeper meaning out of these movies, then what's the point? And I totally, totally get that. You can even out of the worst movies, you can probably pull some kind of uh, of meaning out of it. But for the purposes of of this podcast, we um, we just like to look at the lighter side. And I know a lot of folks. I know a lot of folks out there. They do. They watch these movies to be more of a, of an escapist platform or escapist uh, media. And uh, yeah, we just like to have fun with it. And that's not. I'm not. You know, rebuking uh, David or anything. I'm just saying that yeah, there are there are both sides. So well, there are both sides to this conversation. Well, here's the thing: we will pull out themes and stuff. I mean, we have themes that we're going to talk about with the movie that we're reviewing today. Oh yeah, absolutely. We did it with Atragon. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Atragon, there were some really deep things in there that we talked about. Um, so, yes, there are times when we do that. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. And I think that uh, if you watch movies to find the deeper meaning in things, that is perfectly fine. Films and movies are a form of art. And a person can go, you can have three different people who go to a museum, an art museum, and they can look at a painting on the wall. One person's looking at the technical side of it. They're like, oh, isn't it neat how he brushed, used this brush stroke instead of that brush stroke or how, how this is used to add this perspective to the picture instead of this way? Or isn't it neat how he mixed these particular colors and these particular elements to get this vibrancy out of it? Somebody can do that. You can have a person who says, look at the deeper meaning of what's in the picture, what it represents, how the, per- how the, the painter felt when they painted it. And then you can have a third person who says, this is just a beautiful painting. I would love to hang that up in my, in my living room. And right. none of them are wrong. They're each enjoying it in their own way. And I think that is a fun thing about films is we can all enjoy films in our own way. And even in the, your uh, podcast episode that I was on, when I said that we shouldn't take these movies too seriously, we need to keep them, you know, we need to, uh, which I, I think the words we use, we need to keep them in the right place. It wasn't mm-hmm. saying you can't dig deep into them and really dive deep into the themes. It's not that it's, what I meant when I said that was that we have to remember that our identity is not governed by the films that we watch. And if we take them too far, if we take that, if we become unbalanced in mm-hmm. how we view films, then that's when we start getting aggressive towards each other uh, where it's like, you know, how dare you not like this movie that I like. And that's what I think, you know, that's what, you know, we were talking about trying to stay positive. That was the theme of, of that episode was trying to stay right. positive. And so that was my way of saying how to stay positive is to remember mm-hmm. these are just movies. Yeah, they're beautiful pieces of art. You can enjoy them. I love Godzilla as much as anybody else does. But that doesn't mean it's not just a movie. And that right. doesn't mean I'm going to go and attack someone else. And, and become negative because of this movie that's just a mm. movie. So mm. that's I, I think that David might have been uh, maybe taking what we were talking about in the wrong way because I di- I don't have a problem with what him and and, uh, and and some of the other podcasts do about diving deeper into it. Yeah, but right. with this podcast, I like that we, we don't take ourselves, we don't, and it's not that we don't take the films seriously. We take the film seriously. Like I said, in this film that we're talking about today, I take very seriously. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Oh yeah. And th- th- I think that's where it comes. I think it just comes down to how seriously, how serious you, you take yourself and how much of your identity is wrapped up in these, in these films. Uh, I think we even touched, we even referenced what they said. Uh, in that episode where we talked about you're more than even your passions. And that comes from a conversation I got, I had the pleasure of having with, with David and Chris mm-hmm. a few weeks ago on their show. And um, yeah, it just kind of comes down to how seriously you take yourself, but, but yeah, yeah it, you know, it was just a critique that I wanted to mention just really quickly that 
I thought was kind of important to bring up since we were talking about not taking ourselves too seriously yeah. as, as per the usual, yeah. as per the usual. I'm, that was a really fun segment, Travis. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to bank up some more of those uh, just, and, and like I, I, when I'm going through them, I'm not looking for reviews that I disagree with or I think are, are unfair because people mm-hmm. have their opinions. If it's an opinion, right, right, right. one that is, is obviously I may not agree with their opinion, but it's still an opinion one. That's fine. The ones that make me laugh are the ones where it's like, there's something else going on behind the scenes, or they're just so silly. Like that one that says that girl says Kong a lot. (laughs) Like, yeah, 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 they do. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's even in the title. Yeah. It's like, I mean, King Kong is in the movie. Um, so stuff like that. So, uh, I'll never, it's fine. I'll never, uh, devolve. It'll never devolve into criticizing other people's opinions on films. Cause that's not what I'm about. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so let's get into our main topic. We're taking a while to get there. (laughs) Now that was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll be doing, uh, look more of these little segments, uh, just like that one. Uh, hopefully you guys find that kind of stuff entertaining. If you do let us know by tweeting at us or emailing us because we always want your feedback. Yeah. Kaiju weekly on Twitter and Kaiju weekly at gmail.com. Um, all right. So the trivia question we asked last week, um, which we didn't get any answers or uh, because we're recording ahead of time. So if anybody answered this trivia question, uh, we're sorry we can't give you a shout out, but thank you so much for uh, contributing to the uh, trivia each week. Uh, I know a lot of the people who do answer answer every week. So I, I want to thank everybody who does that, even if we're not giving you a shout out this week. Um, but the question was, which dueling kaiju film does Quentin Tarantino, Brad Pitt, and Nicolas Cage consider to be influential on their careers? And, of course, the answer is War of the Gargantuas from 1966. Yes, considered to be one of considered to be one of Honda and Toho's best films. Yes, definitely. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, the cast and crew, we've got it was directed by Ishiro Honda, uh, starring Kinji Sahara. Kumi Mizuno, Russ Tamblin, uh, with his Japanese voice actor Goro Masumi. Jun Tazaki, uh, Haruo Nakajima as Gaira, and Hiroshi Sakida as Sanda. And the plot breakdown, as soon as I scroll down a little bit, um, is a green monster has appeared from the sea and goes on a rampage across Japan. The military scrambles to stop the beast, believed to be an escaped Frankenstein, quote-unquote, being studied by a team of scientists. Not believing that their Frankenstein could cause such destruction, the scientists seek to find the real origins of the green monster. When the good Frankenstein finally appears, the two beasts begin an epic battle. So... Let's get into our opening thoughts of this movie. What are your thoughts? Oh man, the the word the, the words are just getting stuck in my throat. I just <laughs> I don't know why, but the words are getting stuck in my throat. Okay, anyway, I'm enough fooling around. Uh, enough fooling around. Anyway, I um Okay, so I really, really like this film. I really do. Um, it's probably one of my favorite, favorite to- classic Toho films. Now, there are a lot of Toho films that I love, but War of the Gargantuas, I would even put that above uh, 
especially after watching it for the second the well this is not my second time but after watching it you know this time for the show mm-hmm. i think i even put it i know i put you know um uh frankenstein conquers the world pretty high on my list of non-godzilla kaiju films but i think i'm gonna have to put war of the gargantuas just slightly above it just because of sort of the conversation you and i got to have uh behind the scenes and the conversation we're going to be having uh in the next say hour or so but yeah i I really love this film it's it's really it's great tokusatsu the score is great uh the acting is 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 uh good uh well um, well most the acting is is great (laughs) Uh, there are there are dark spots that we'll touch on yeah um but overall i love this movie i really do yeah i i'm right there with you i love this movie it is a fantastic just spectacular kaiju film uh tokusatsu film uh and for anyone who's not uh familiar with kaiju films and is trying to get into giant monster movies and tokusatsu that you know suitmation movie this is definitely one to add to the top of your list because this Mm -hmm. one is Everyone, minus one or two people, uh, but everyone in the crew, you know, Ishiro Honda, uh, um, Fuku Bay, all of these ones, they were firing on all cylinders with this one. This is like mm-hmm. the some of their best work in the genre is in this film. Uh, even Haro Nakajima, it, it, this is like he he's done so many great uh, performances as all these different kaiju, and I think this is probably his best performance in any of them. So right. yeah, this is definitely a highlight of the genre that people definitely should check out. And if you've already, if you're already a fan of it, go watch it again anyway, because it's just that good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, I mean, the gargantu cast, yeah, named their entire program after this movie. So it does have a following uh, and it's and it. And it goes well beyond even the cult, just the sort of the, the low budget cult follower following that I thought it had. Why you know, didn't we because, have them on this episode? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, we didn't, th- we didn't think far, yeah, far enough ahead. I didn't honestly. think far enough ahead to actually get them on <laughs> to talk about. Oh, this it would have been a lot of fun. Chris, uh, Chris Cole, if you're, if you guys listen, uh, we wish we had, we wish we would have had you. We wish that we would have had the forethought uh, months in advance to have you guys on, but, and we apologize. Anyway, um, but yeah, I didn't know about this movie for years. Like Mm -hmm. growing up as a Godzilla fan, you only, we like, I think we talked about it in an earlier episode where in the United States, we only got a select few growing up in the, in the eighties, nineties, and even early two thousands. Uh, we got mainly Showa era Godzilla films like Terror Mecha Godzilla, Mothra versus Godzilla. We didn't even get King Kong versus Godzilla for several years. Uh and I didn't and I remember this movie would come on either super early in the morning or really late at night, which is probably super early in the morning. Um and it would always be just sort of this cult. I I I'd heard of it. I knew it existed sort of because I'd read and heard references to it. And I had heard and I had, and you know, this movie has a lot of the stock footage that we come to know now as stock footage. But then it was for this film, this is where a lot of those um, scenes that Toho reused for other movies got mm-hmm. started. Uh, this is where this is the movie where we first get introduced to the Mazers, which is yeah. now, a, which is now a 
uh, a very common thing that we would see going forward in Godzilla and Tokusatsu films are, yeah. the, mazers, are the mazers. And it's one of my and, favorite uh, like weapons, anti-kaiju weapons in mm-hmm. the Toho library. I love the mazers and knowing that this is where they came from and started was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this film, um, like I, like I said, it, I didn't know about it for a long time and I'm glad I do now. Cause I think I've watched this one. Oh, I, I, I watched it maybe five or so years ago is the first time I had ever had the opportunity to sit down and actually watch it because it for and up until say the criterion channel has it on their, uh, subscription service. You can find it now on sites like archive.org. And I think you can even find it on like a bootleg D it has a bootleg DVD release by now, now at this point too. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find it, but year, but a few years ago it was pretty much non-existent. You had to go to the, probably the, the ends of the earth almost to actually find this movie. Yeah, yeah. The first time I found out about this movie, I was like you. You know, I'm, I'm a Godzilla fan. I didn't really branch out beyond that, and this just mm-hmm. wasn't on my radar ever. Um, was there was a time period for just it wasn't for very long, but there was a time period when a lot of the Showa era Godzilla movies got put onto Netflix. Um, like in the early days of Netflix, when it was you know, oh yeah 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 when it was just starting out as a streaming service. Um, and this was one of them that got put on there and I never had never heard of it. And I was like, Oh, what is this? You know? And so I looked it up and I was like, Oh, okay. This is, that's what this is. Um, but yeah, so that was the first time I had ever really uh, even found out that this thing, this movie existed. And I am so glad that I know it exists now because there's so, I just, I have so many things uh, when we get into likes and dislikes, I have so many positive things to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so because I, we're just going to spend a long time talking about the positives. I know it. Um, let's, uh, let's just get the dislikes, the negatives out of the way. Do we have to? Yeah. Let's get, let's, let's, let's go ahead because no movie is perfect. Okay. No movie is okay. perfect. Uh, all right. Let's, let's rip the bandaid off. Um, so the singing, <laughs> <laughs> The singing in this is so bad, but the thing is, I don't think that, I don't think it's that the woman who was singing it was bad. It's more that it was a bad recording of it because mm-hmm. the, the, the singing that you hear in it is not the woman who's on stage singing. It's, it's been recorded. It's been dubbed over and right. whoever dubbed it over, it sounded like they were talking in a tin can. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. so bad. It was so poorly recorded and dubbed over. It's like you could have just left the original one and it probably would have sounded just as good as what they gave us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, tell me this, Travis, is that uh, you probably know, and I, I, I'm i I'm sorry, I, did, I forgot to look it up before we got on the, on the recording today, but... Isn't the lady that's the 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 lady that's singing the song? Isn't she actually a, a, a an actual recording artist? Am I not mistaken about that? Uh, she might be. I actually didn't look her up. I know that uh, Chris and Cole did a whole episode on War of the Gargantuas, and mm-hmm. I think they may have brought it up, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I can't recall because it's been it's been several months back. Yeah, I'm. 
Not seeing her. Oh, yeah. While you look that up, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the singing was a little bit. Um, yeah, it was awkward. Let's just let's just put it that way. I think I think you're right. That what really hurts it is the recording itself because you ob you can obviously tell mm -hmm. um, that it was pre-recorded. It was not it was not recorded there on stage in the sound stage uh, as this movie was being filmed. It was dubbed into the film after the fact and whatever version of that recording they had was not very good. Now I'm not saying that the song was, was good period. I, I think I just, you know, I don't, I don't like the song. Um, and really, and to a point, it doesn't even make sense for them to put it there or at least let it linger there for as long as they did. Um, if anyone, now this is how I feel about it. If anyone should have been eaten, probably her. Yeah. Just because of the song. I know that sounds mean, but yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, the, uh, her name is uh, Kip Hamilton. Uh, she oh, was yeah, an, yeah, 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 yeah. She was an actress, singer, and model. Um, she, <clears throat> excuse me, she did uh, a lot of work basically on like little, um, movies and TV shows. Not Nothing super, like super duper noteworthy. Um mm -hmm. Uh, uh, the most noteworthy thing for me is she's uh, Carol Burnett's um, sister-in-law. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. So, and she she died actually relatively young uh, from breast mm -hmm. cancer. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, she is she is uh, Kip Hamilton. She's Carol Burnett's sister-in-law, and she was an actress and singer and model. And the reason why I think we the reason we wanted to bring that up is because when people talk about for the most part, people talk about this film fairly fondly. It's one it ranks really high on a lot of oh yeah Kaiju Tokusatsu fans as radar. And but when they do talk about the negatives for this movie, the song comes up a lot as one of the major negatives, which it's really not a major negative, which kind of is a testament to how how good this movie is if they're picking a, a random song. Mm -hmm. uh, as one of their negatives. Um, but there is another negative uh, that is blaringly obvious. Yeah, I was I was waiting for you to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, it's blaringly obvious. It's the really terrible acting by Miss Kumi Mizuno. Oh, I mean, <laughs> oh, oh, my heart. Oh, my heart. Oh, you can't say that kind of stuff, even as a joke. <laughs> you can't even no, joke I'm, about I'm, that. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, I'm, I'm joking. We are obviously talking about that block of wood, Rust Hamlin. Mm. And let me tell you, Travis, there is a there is a very good reason why uh, the martini from their martini that served at the King Shiza's palace on monster Island is called the rust Hamlin because it's a, it's a extra dry martini. And Nathan himself told me that the only reason they keep that thing on the menu is out of pity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Russ, uh, Russ Hamlin's acting in this is so bad. And you really get the sense of, he just doesn't want to be in this movie. He feels, well, he didn't, he yeah. didn't behind. If I, if you read the, 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 uh, the Ashiro Honda, uh, biography, it does mention Russ mm -hmm. in it. And he, him, him and Honda did have conflicts. So by the time it was all over, they just, they just didn't like each other. Yeah. They just did not like each other at all. And it shows. 
because his acting is subpar. He's not even put he's he's not even putting any feeling into it. One moment that really stood out to me was when it was toward the end of the film. It was like the last I say like 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. when Gyra picks up uh, Miss Mizuno and drops her, drops her back into the, onto mm-hmm. the steps. He just casually walks over, yep. picks her up and then casually walks down the steps. Like there's not a 50 meter tall Kaiju right outside. So you need to get the heck out of there. He's just like, you know, do to do. I'm just going to walk over here all casual. Like, cause I don't give a crap. And, uh, yeah walk off stage yeah he's he's really rough um i will say that the japanese um version of this film is much better because he is dubbed over so it's easier to watch it um because the Mm -hmm. the uh voice actor who is dubbing him over is much better and puts much Mm -hmm. more uh feeling into the words so uh i watched the japanese version this time around we watched the we watched the uh american version uh not too long ago and mm-hmm. yeah, I completely agree with you, but, but I did find that watching the Japanese version kind of helped with that. So I didn't find it as bad this time around. Yeah. But, you watch the, uh, you watch the Japanese dub with the English subtitles and I watched the actual, um, I think it was the media. Was it, what's it called? Classic, the classic media version mm-hmm. with the English subtitles. That's the version I watched while you watched the uh, Japanese version. And, um, I regret it. Yeah, <laughs> I regret it. But let me ask you really quick, since we're on this subject and since we I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here because, you know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. But if you had your druthers and you could replace him with anybody on the Toho roster, who would you replace him with? Oh, um, I mean, shoot, uh, you know me, Takarada. <laughs> uh, you were going to say Yeah, that. Takarada, Takarada in everything. No, uh, actually, if they were going with the um, with the uh, American, why not have Nick Adams? I mean, you brought back Kumi Mizuno from Frankenstein Conquers the World and have her uh, play a different actor or a different character, I mean, in this. So why not bring Nick Adams back? Because Nick Adams... Yeah always gives a great performance yeah nick does like he's my favorite i think he's a lot he's my favorite and a lot of uh kaiju fans favorite american actor that shows up in the in the toho franchise in the toho films but yeah i would have definitely went with nick adams i think nick was doing another film at the time or he was or he was rapping or they were when was this 66 yeah this this was this would be after Astro Monster. Maybe he was doing another film uh, here in the United States at the time, so they couldn't get him to do Gargantuas or, or something like that. I don't know what. I don't know exactly what happened. Maybe someone out there who's listening would be able to know the history. I know uh, probably G Man would know the history on that on what actually was going on during that time that Nick could not come back for this film. I'd be interested to know that. But um, but yeah, either Nick or even. Um, um, who's the guy from King Kong Escapes? The American actor, the the American captain. Oh, um, um, I have to look that up because I can't remember his was, name. But he, yeah, uh, Re- his last name was Reason. I cannot remember yeah, his first name. Let me pull that up. I've got it right here. It, is it Rhymes? Re- not Rhymes. Reason. I think um, that sounds right. That sounds. Uh, Rhodes Reason. It's Rhodes Reason. Rhodes Reason. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Rhodes, Rhodes Reason, Reason as okay. Commander Carl Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. 
So even he would be a better choice than than this guy. Yeah. That because because at least Rhodes Reason put some acting behind what he did in King Kong Escapes. Yeah. Um, to me, well, Rhodes uh, Rhodes didn't shine in that movie to me so much, but that's mainly because I think Takarada stole the show from him. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, he wasn't bad. Yeah, I don't think he well, was. Well, they really wanted bad. the reason I say that is because if they wanted an actual American actor in the film, those are your two options. Right. Unless you pull someone, un, if the, unless you pull an unknown from say Hollywood or even a even a B list or C list celebrity from Hollywood at that time, you could do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna do a Japanese, if you're gonna do an all Japanese cast, obviously Takarada would be more than more than adequate to fill this role but anyway on to a uh on to some acting that actually is enjoyable and i want to talk about for a second um miss kumi mizuno her mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. and i want to talk about how i really wish that they would have given her a more prominent role now she is prominent throughout the film she's seen in almost every yeah. shot where we see our human uh hu- our human characters but she's but she's made to be a little bit um a little bit I want I don't want to say weaker what's the word I'm looking for Travis um not as oh god well she she doesn't uh, have as much agency uh, yeah that's, in, okay, in that's this, a good way um I would say because uh, a lot of things tend to happen to her she's not really making a lot of decisions yeah, uh, that's you know, okay. the decisions so we'll the decisions are made by the men uh, or mm-hmm. especially, you know, um, block of wood guy. Um, <laughs> I don't even care. <laughs> Rust Hamblin. Um, but uh, so, you know, she doesn't really have a lot of agency in this film. Whereas in, to me in uh, God, uh, um, Frankenstein versus Baragon, which she plays the same character, essentially. It's not the same character, but it's the same type of character. But she was so much better uh, in that, better written in that. And it's not, it's not, it's not Kumi Mizuno's fault. It's no, the way the character not. was, was uh, written. Uh, right. It was just so much better in Frankenstein versus Baragon. She had a lot more agency. She had a lot more, um, mm-hmm. just, she, she was so much more intricate uh, or inter- integral to the plot. Whereas this, she was kind of integral, but like I said, she just didn't have any agency. Yeah. I just wish she would. I just wish she would have had a little bit more say so yeah. in her character or not, maybe not say so, but a little more agency in her character where she was making some of those decisions or helping guide some of those decisions other than uh, block of wood, Russ Hamlin, which to be fair is probably a legitimate like a legitimately good actor because he was in what a West side story or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. He's been in some um, decent movies. It's just, he did not like this movie and didn't yeah. want to be in it. And so he didn't bother putting any effort into it. Um, well, one if Brad th- Pitt was only a little bit, if Brad Pitt was only alive at the time. Since yeah. He actually liked this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Brad Pitt said this was the first movie he ever saw in theaters. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and the th- another and it's just a nitpick so i'm not going to dwell on it too much but one sure. of the things that gets me is that if you if you're going into this movie uh it can uh especially if you've watched frankenstein conquers the world this one can be kind of confusing because it feels like it's a sequel and it kind of is a sequel but it's not a sequel yeah and right. 
so there's you know moments like like the whole thing with young Sonda uh, when they talk about how you know they raised they were you know uh, dealing with this uh, Frankenstein they kept calling him Frankenstein uh, you know and they were experimenting on or, or studying him and everything and then he escaped they just kind of brushed that off really quickly like the whole backstory of how Sonda came to be and then also which also ended up turning how how Gyra came to be. They just kind of rushed through that and brushed that off because that's stuff that was explored in Frankenstein Conquers the World. But this isn't a sequel to that. This is a standalone film. So it should have been, you should have took, uh, took more time. You should have taken more time to uh, develop like where Sonda came from and, and what right. he was doing. How did they get him and, and, you know, to study him. Yeah, the only real tie-in we got was the first like five or so minutes with the with the boat and the captain and the Odako, which is the oct with the, the giant octopus, mm -hmm. you know, in the rainstorm with the lightning, and that was the only real tie-in we had. Um, and I think it would make, uh, to be fair, I think it would make a little bit more sense if we had gotten that alternate ending as the official ending to. Mm -hmm. Frankenstein conquers the world where the Odako pulls Frankenstein under the water. So then you could, then you could uh, assume that, you know, maybe Frankenstein mutated into Gyra and he's still battling the Odako or he's yeah. still the, the Odako is his mortal enemy because he's the Odako is the one that defeated him and drug him into the, into the water because Gyra is obviously a water kaiju, even though he is a humanoid. Right. He's basically uh, he's basically a fish man without being a fish. Right. I I think if they had made any kind of substantial connection between this movie and Frankenstein Conquers the World, it would have been it would have made the movie better. Um, you know, whether that's by you know having the original ending for Frankenstein conquers the world. And so it ties it in through the Odako, whether they make Sonda actually the Frankenstein from the first movie and say mm -hmm. that, the everything that happened in the first movie happened and he just mutated and looks more, you know, it looks different in this movie because of the events of the last movie, just anything, anything that would have substantially tied it together because the ambiguousness of it makes it more confusing. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I'm kind of like, for me, as much as I love this film, if I was to introduce someone to like, if I'm introducing someone to Kaiju and to Tokusatsu, I probably wouldn't use this film because it can be so confusing. I would rather use Frankenstein conquers the world because it's more straightforward. Whereas this just is kind of more ambiguous and it, it takes a little bit you have to kind of ha know the context of it to understand what's going on. And so I don't know about that though. I, I kind of disagree with that because there's, there's enough or there's not a whole lot here where you could safely assume this is in its own continuity. It's in its own universe that for some reason, like the beginning sequence, you can just safely assume that for some reason the boat just happened to, to, sail up on a monster fight and then they got caught up in the middle of it. You could assume that. Right. I don't think I don't, I wouldn't prevent, I would not keep myself from showing this to somebody new to the fandom or new to Kaiju. Well, simply this because definitely, of that reason. 
Well, I, what I, I don't mean I wouldn't show this to them ever, but it's just a matter of I would show them Frankenstein Conquers the World before I would show them this one because okay. this one, the the ambiguousness. Like I said, it's it's mostly to do with Sonda. It's mostly to do with the origins of Sonda because mm. the the origins of Sonda are explained in a press conference and in a flashback that combined take up less than two minutes and yeah. it's never really explained like well okay where did he come from well he's a frankenstein uh, that that doesn't explain it <laughs> like what where does he come from where did what does how it did specifically say frank in the movie i can't remember yes yeah in well in the japanese version it is uh the he uh, both of the monsters are called frankensteins and then it's later on that they give them the distinct names sonda and uh, gyra okay. Yeah, because in the American dub, it's just uh, the green gargantua and brown gargantua, and I don't be- and I really don't think that there's any verbiage that says Frankenstein or even alludes to it being right. Frankenstein's monster at all. And but I like I said, that's in the America, it's in the classic media version that I right. watched. So that I'm sure that the continuity is just a, ta- a touch better in the actual Japanese version. Yeah. But yeah, that the whole the origin of Sonda is the the thing that I think is the most I have the most trouble uh, reconciling with um, when I show it to someone who's brand new and has you know it's to to Tokusatsu um, because it's like that 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 can be kind of confusing. I would still rather show Frankenstein Conquers the World um, before this one, but that's not that's not saying I don't like this movie. A lot. That's just a little nitpick that I had about it. Now, sure. Are you ready to get into some positives for the? Oh movie? yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. Let's. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into some positive. Let's start with. Um, oh man, let's start with cinematography first before we get into some of the the big themes of the movie. Let's let's start with some of the cinematography and some of the shot choices that they made for mm-hmm. this film. The one that comes to mind first has to be the shot where it's the two fishermen on the boat mm-hmm. and they're, I think they're bringing in their, their nets and they look over the side of the boat and all you see is just Gyra just, you know, like at the bottom of this ocean staring back up at them. Oh and that yeah. Is such, that is such a creepy creepy shot like it it's, is it's so a- good though it's so he like gyra is legitimately frightening especially in that moment mm-hmm. yeah it is real that is a really good shot and yeah you're right it is it is so scary <laughs> yeah some of the long shots too like the long shots of you know of of gyra uh, in, the, in in the background as he's approaching uh, sort of the as he's approaching the the airport as oh, he's yeah. approaching civilization, uh, those are really good. Uh, a lot of the long shots that they showed in um, while they were in the 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 forest, mm-hmm. uh, w- the one shot specifically comes to mind. Uh, it's after Sanda rescues Gyra, and they're washed up on the beach, or not? It's not a beach, but it's just sort of a lake shore there. Mm-hmm. And there, and Sanda is tending to Gyra's wounds, and just the way the shot is composed is really interesting because you've got you've got Sanda and Gyra are there on on the on the the lakeshore, mm-hmm. and then you've got they're kind of framed by this tree line, and you've got the lake in the background, and it's just a really interesting. Uh, it's just really interesting the way they framed it there. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really gorgeous. Uh, let's talk about the. Um, 
the actual suits and the actors within the suits because sure, yeah. um one of the things i do love about the suits is that you're able to see the human eyes uh through the mask i'm glad you brought that up yeah yeah and it, and it really helps sell the emotions that these monsters are going through and we'll we can talk about that in in just a second when we talk about themes but mm -hmm. they really really sell the emotions like these these monsters never speak they're not even actually making noise like the noises are added in post but they're able in their body language and in their eyes to tell such a powerful emotional story and i yeah. think it's just so great and uh, uh nakajima um has said that of all the monsters that he has portrayed over the years this one was his favorite because it gave him the freedom to move and to and to do things that he couldn't do in some of the bigger, more clunkier suits. Mm -hmm. The the both suits are you know for the most part for the most part they're fairly streamlined. Mm -hmm. Now uh, more so Gyra than maybe Sanda because you know Sanda has that that really muscular. Uh, uh, yeah, the like shoulder pads, uh, sh the shoulder pads and stuff. It's, yeah, that looks maybe a little that that looks like it could have been a little bit cumbersome. Um, but for the most part, these suits are very streamlined. Mm -hmm. They they move extremely well. And I think I even told you is either I wrote it. I know it's in my notes here. I wrote it down, but I, I may have told you uh, when we were just kind of talking between ourselves about it. I like it. I like humanoid kaiju, especially in films like this, where there's a lot more movement. Uh, I feel like when you get these big elaborate suits, like say a Godzilla suit or, or Gigan or, or something else that's just big and cumbersome. Destroyer. Destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> or Space Godzilla. Space yeah. Godzilla was notorious for this too. It just, to a point, yeah, they look big and powerful and, and, uh, you know, interesting, but to a point, does it, it doesn't really appear believable to me because there's such limited movement mm -hmm. now for uh Sandangaira though there was they were just so free to move that it made the fight scenes and it made just their interactions with humanity that more in that much more interesting mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i'm not i wasn't a super fan of Gyra's moldy looking face uh the for the mask like he does look like he's kind of got like I don't know, some kind of disease all over his face, which I might even been. Yeah. I, I think it was intentional, but it just, he looked a little more gross, but I, I, I definitely, I liked Sonda. Sonda had the, the, the just stoic looking face, the kind eyes. It was just such a well done monster design. The Sanda looks, uh, Sonda, Sanda looks, uh, wise. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, he does. Um, and so, our, uh, let's talk about what we were talking about digging deep into these movies for themes or, or finding these, the themes in these movies and mm -hmm. the theme that comes through in this movie for me is the brotherly relationship between Sonda and Gyra. Right. They they are so much like their brothers at odds, and that is an an, an age old story mm -hmm. of two brothers at odds, and just the relationship between them is so emotional and touching. Like there are very heartfelt moments where you you can sense Sonda pleading with Gyra to just you know stop stop what you're doing you know don't do that, 
and yeah. the realization that Gyra is not going to stop. And then the, that he has to take it upon himself. Sonda has to take it upon himself to stop Gyra and, and destroy him. Yeah. It's just such a powerful story. Mm-hmm. And it's done with guys in rubber suits with fake hair mm-hmm. <laughs> all over yeah. them. Like that, that is, that is amazing that they were able to mm-hmm. capture such a powerful emotional story. Yeah, a lot of people draw very close correlations to this and sort of the Cain and Abel story from the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and I can I can definitely see that because like we said or like you said, uh, you know, brother against brother has man, that's that predates even even that. I believe I believe it because it's just that's just been a part of human nature for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but that scene that really kind of stood out to me. Well, let's let me back up to, I think earlier in the movie, it was, this is more for, I feel like this is more, this was put in there for more shock value than anything where he eats his first human and it doesn't show it necessarily, but um, it cuts away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he grabs, he grabs the lady in the building uh, right. and then he puts any, it sh- and then he, it cuts away and then it shows him making a chewing motion and he spits the dress out mm-hmm. and that was put in there to say, you know what, this, you know, this Gyra is a lot different than, than the Kaiju we've seen before, because at, up to this point, I don't believe we've seen uh Kaiju actually eat people now right. it's implied that people get hurt that people get killed that's you know that's obvious for any giant monster film even though even though we don't actually see it happen right um the closest i think we even got to uh, to something like that at this point was uh, frankenstein conquers the world where we see uh baragon raid the chicken coop mm-hmm. and because and you don't even really see him eat the chickens it's just you his head pops up one second and there's feathers coming out of his mouth so it's mm-hmm. implied that he ate the chickens uh, so it's implied in in that moment that he ate that woman from the office building. And, you know, that was more, I think, for shock value, just to set up that, you know, Gyra is Gyra is the real threat here. Um, and it's interesting that moment in the film where it's after the Mazer fight. It's when Sanda and Gyra retreat to the woods Um you know, there's sort of a lull. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if it references any kind of uh, time skip, how long these, these gargantuas were, have been missing for and how long the military had been looking for them for. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sanda shows up and sees what Gyra has done. And Gyra obviously wakes up, looks at Sanda and it just falls back to sleep because he just doesn't care. He's just this soulless, moralless beast. And Sanda is you can see it in his eyes, although there are limitations to the mask. You mm-hmm. can see it in his eyes, just the disgust he is he has for his brother in that moment. And so you you see him go through this internal conflict of, oh, okay, so I need to try to do something about this because my brother is is not a good person. So what do I do? And so you know, they, he wakes them up, they wrestle for a little bit and then Gyra runs off. And so Sanda has to go search for his brother. He has to track down his brother, mm-hmm. um, hurt. I'll add that he is, he's hurt. His leg is hurt because, you know, he hurt his leg trying to save, uh, Miss Mizuno. Um, and he, he runs off into the woods to search for mm-hmm. his brother because he feels like he has to, he knows what his brother is now. 
He knows that he is a danger to society. He has to do something to prevent that kind of thing from happening, happening again, because I think I brought this up um, to you before we started recording that Sanda, although he feels connected to his brother, he feels more love and compassion for humanity. And he has mm -hmm. to do whatever it takes at this point to stop his brother from harming, you know, innocent people. Let's get into some fun facts. Um, so you had a fun fact that you wanted to share sure. with us um, because the ending of the movie, spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, um, the ending kind of comes out of left field, doesn't really like have a, a decent explanation in it. But you did some research. Mm, I did. I, I went, I, I can't say I went full Marchand, but I went half Marchand. I went maybe three, <laughs> maybe three quarters Marchand. I don't know what, I don't know what that would be. That what that would amount to, but okay. Um, so yeah, at the end of the film, it's really interesting because you know once once the boys, we'll just call them the boys at this point. Once the boys, the gargantuas, are are fighting in Tokyo, they make it to Tokyo Bay. I think it's Tokyo Bay. I hope I'm correct on that. Uh, they make it to the the seashore, and they fall into the water, or they escape into the water, or or Gyra runs into the water. I believe is how is how it works. And mm -hmm. Sanda goes after him. So they have to bat they have to battle. And at this point, they're in they've already, you know, Sanda's done all he could to stop his brother, or to prevent his brother, or to talk his brother out of being evil. So Sanda, like you said, has has taken it has taken it upon himself to stop his brother at all costs. So you know, mm -hmm. Gyra runs into the uh the water. Sanda goes after him, and the military is just bombing them at least trying to bomb them to death with napalm and, and everything else and then all of a sudden it's feeling it feels like out of nowhere that a volcano just erupts up out of the ocean very close to shore um, i might mm -hmm. add it, well it feels very close to shore um and the going theory uh that i could find i i looked i did a little bit of research trying to figure out if there is a going theory among the fans or even if I could find some kind of official explanation, the best I was able to find was um, uh, on the on a Toho Kingdom Reddit thread where there's a fan theory that that says that you know since they're bombing the gargantuas in the middle of the ocean, it actually causes an eruption from one of the tectonic plates that surrounds uh, uh, Japan, and it turns yeah. out whenever I started digging a little bit deeper. <clears throat> that about 10% of the world's active volcanoes are found in or around Japan. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, so um you know as we all have, as we've probably seen over the last couple of years uh, or last few years rather, um Japan has it's plagued by massive uh tsunamis and and just uh earthquakes. They are prone to earthquakes in that region and the reason for that is because Japan sits on or near the boundaries of four uh, tectonic plates, the Pacific, the North American, the Eurasian, and the Filipino plates are what the, is what they're called. So it is plausible, uh, and it's a theory that I'll probably uh, now use for this film anyway, that because the military was bombing these two gargantuas trying to stop them, they inadvertently maybe ruptured one of those uh, plates or caused it to open up into a volcano, which eventually 
swallowed, um, which eventually swallowed up the two gargantuas. And it is implied that they both die. Uh, I think the, 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 the Reddit thread I was going, I was kind of going through, I know Reddit is a very dangerous place, so I didn't go very far. Um, but the thread I was reading was it said that the plan was to leave them in hibernation and then maybe eventually bring them back to in an, right. in, a, in another film. Um, I don't know how they could have done that because again, it's implied that they died because I think in, even in the hospital when Miss Mizuno is in the hospital, um, it, they, they, they come in and say, uh, you know, I think they ask the question, are they dead? Are they dead? Mm-hmm. And they said, we, yeah. be- we cannot confirm yet, but we believe so. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I, that's the theory that I'm going with. That se- that sounds the most plausible because that volcano does feel like it just comes up out of nowhere. And that's one of the reasons I think that's one of the reasons aside from, you know, Rust Hamlin and the song, the infamous song uh, and the volcano. Those are the three main reasons why people say they don't particularly like this film or it, it ranks a little bit lower on the on their list. And honestly, I just kind of find that a little bit unfair because yeah, it wouldn't make more sense for them just to wrestle mm-hmm. and then eventually just sink down into the ocean and let it be implied that they drowned or they're still under there fighting or something of that nature. And they may could possibly come back. The volcano feels more final to me. Um, yeah. So I, that's just sort of how I feel about it. That's the theory that I'm going to go with that the military, you know, was bombing them to the point where it did erupt a tectonic plate uh, that turned or a possibly a volcano that swallowed them up. And, but there was mm-hmm. a really interesting, uh, I think, I think you found a, an alternate ending or something. Yeah. Travis? Well, um, the, the, uh, the thing about that is, uh, well, e- I was going to say, even on Wikizilla, um, they do in the, um, in the plot breakdown of the movie, they do say that the napalm that the military was dropping on is what triggers the, so, so this is like a widely accepted, mm-hmm thing but nowhere in the film does it actually say that right so it is just one of those head canon things that you have to just accept yeah but the original ending of the film they were still going to have sonda and gyra um swallowed up by the underwater volcano Mm -hmm. but after that happened the lava was going to consume and flood tokyo and completely wipe out tokyo um but they just never uh did that sure and that was uh, cited from an interview with Ishiro Honda himself that was in a book. Um, so, yeah, that was the original ending for that was that Tokyo was going to be destroyed, which brings up another thing we didn't touch on in themes. But the theme of or at least the exploration of how the monsters in this movie showed more emotions and more care than the humans Mm-hmm. Now Kumi Mizuno's character now now she you know she obviously had a lot of affection and and care and, and concern for uh, Sonda, mm-hmm. but as far as the military and the rest of and the rest of the people, you really get you really see how just robotic and just uh, deliberate and um, uncaring their decisions are when it comes to you know destroying Sonda and Gaira. They don't care about whether it's a good one or a bad one. They just want to destroy them. Mm -hmm. And then you pair that with the 
images of Sonda and the just deep emotion that you get mm -hmm. through his facial expressions and his eyes right. and his acting, his body language and stuff. So I think that that original ending kind of was Honda's way of, of saying uh, this was, this was humans punishment for being so uncaring towards these monsters that obviously had emotions and had their own, you know, uh, feelings. Yeah. Um, that's the way I interpret that, but that, that is interesting that that's the original ending. Um, another fun fact that I wanted to bring up is that this movie, the story is loosely based on an old Japanese legend uh, or story from from Japanese mythology. It's called Umahiko and Yamahiko. Okay, um, which are basically the Mountain Brother and the and the Ocean Brother or okay. the Sea Brother. Uh, and it's about two brothers. Uh, one lived up in the mountains and one lived down by the sea. And the one that lived in the mountains was a hunter. The one that lived down by the sea was a fisherman. And then it's, at one point they decide to switch roles and, and the fisherman goes to hunt and he's no good at it. And the, the uh, hunter goes to fish and he ends up losing uh, the other brother's favorite hook and it causes some drama between them. And there's a, you know, the story goes into a lot more detail, but yeah. just like that's, that's the story. And so it is kind of a, there is this uh, relationship, brotherly relationship going on in that, in that old mythology that is brought over into this idea. And that's, and that explains why Sonda is from the mountains and Gyra is from the sea. Yeah. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, another other little fun fact that I want to get to before we get into our final thoughts is that uh, this movie ba uh, technically takes place in the same continuity as uh, Godzilla uh, against Mechagodzilla in Tokyo SOS. Because uh, at the beginning of one of those movies, they uh, reference monster attacks that have been happening. And in the flashbacks, they show a scene from this movie. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> um, it's Tokyo SOS because it's. Um... I think even Miss Mizuno doesn't she come back for that one too? She's mm -hmm, the yeah. uh, she's the prime minister at that time or the mm -hmm. or defense minister or something. Uh, yeah, she she references Gyra. Uh, she doesn't reference. I don't believe she references Sanda, but she references Gyra. I know specifically uh, yeah. as one of the disaster monsters. Um, there's a lot of other little fun facts, but those are the main ones that I found interesting. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I like that it's in the continuity with, with, uh, it's cause, cause you never see Gyra and sound Sonda, uh, actually in a Godzilla movie no. other than using stock footage there stock footage for that one. And the Mazer attack, like we talked about earlier, but the Mazer, the, the, this is the first time the Mazers get used. And so I think mm -hmm. even this, the Mazer attack in the, in the forest is used over and over again in several yeah, stock films. footage. Yeah, it's stock mm -hmm. footage. So, so yeah, it, and I think uh, the only other time Sanda and Gyra show up that I know of is actually in the Godzilla comics. It doesn't show up again in any film after this. Yeah, uh, and they they also show up in um, a TV show as you know, not not the same exact monsters. Oh but yeah, they, yeah, Go they... Go Godman. Is that right? So yeah, Sonda and Gyra show up in that, uh, and so yeah, so they, they show up a few times, but yeah, you never really get a uh, a them in an actual Godzilla uh, movie. But although that's the... Godzilla versus the Gargantuas probably would have been a super interesting 
yeah thing and that they wanted to do that movie but they just never they never got around to it's one of those you know lost movies that just never made the light of day um so let's let's quickly move into our godzuki score and our final thoughts um so for anybody who's new to the podcast we like to rate our movies out of five godzukis because we embrace the silly side of giant monster movies and use Godzilla's bumbling nephew from the Hanna-Barbera cartoon of the 70s as our yardstick for measuring these movies. Uh, And so, um, Michael, I wanted to ask you, out of five Godzookies, uh, (laughs) what do you score this movie and what are your final thoughts on it? Five out of five. Uh, Five out of five because um, even though this movie does have flaws uh, and we've, we've talked about them, fairly fairly length fairly lengthily i guess that's Mm -hmm. a word did i make up a brand new one but anyway (laughs) um we've talked about them at length this during this conversation it does have its flaws you know rust hamlin the volcano i'm not gonna hold that against this movie because you're right the japanese version although it has all of these same things in it it does do them better Mm -hmm. especially rust hamlin's character it does handle that uh, better um, you're, you are correct on that. So that act, I was going to take away a half score just for him alone, but since the Japanese version rectifies that, I can't hold that against him. The song, although, eh, you know, it's, it is what it is. And of course the volcano, now that I kind of understand the, the, the going theory about that, it does make sense. And I appreciate it more. Yeah. Uh, but this film is super interesting. I know it, like we talked about it, it the the Cain and Abel references get brought up a lot for this film. Brother against brother is an age is an age old concept. Uh, it's used in movies, not just kaiju movies. It's used in in almost every It's almost every movie genre out there. Um, and it just really explores to me, sort of what it means to be human, because you watch like we talked about. You watch the sort of the the actual human characters kind of play it real straight down the middle there there's the doc there's the doctor the concerned doctor and then the military people who act exactly as you would expect military people do and then of course you've got the monsters gyra and sanda who act at times more human than the actual human characters and Mm -hmm. so it does ask it does beg the question what does it really mean to be human because you do see um sanda especially sanda uh show some sense of internal conflict and morality when it comes to his comes to his brother. And I said it, I, I'll just kind of repeat it here. You know, the, the internal conflict that Sanda goes through about his brother, about what to do about his brother being the way he is, is super interesting and impactful. Uh, I'll say that because you do see the emotion on, on Sanda's face when he realizes that his brother is just not a good good person for lack of a better word it's just he's just he he cannot survive in this world any longer he has something has to be done to stop him and that is an internal conflict that you see play out with sonda throughout the remainder of this film yeah yeah now i've been going back and forth on whether i wanted to give it four and a half uh godzukis because uh of the things that we talked about um but i settled on five out of five for me too okay because a because it's my score and who cares if i give it five out of five and (laughs) and and uh, but also because 
the way I the way I rate movies and the way I do it um, is if there's anything I would change in the movie. And yes, I did mention some nitpicks that I have, and yes, there are you know a few little things that they could have done differently. But the story that we got in this movie, I really I wouldn't want to change it. I wouldn't want to change anything about this film because I enjoyed it so much i enjoyed what they gave me the story of the two brothers at odds is one of the oldest stories in recorded history uh this film takes that very human story and brings it into the world of kaiju in a very dynamic way uh, the monster suits are dated by today's standards but they allow the actors to use their eyes and body language to convey the deep emotions that both monsters are feeling there is little I can say negatively about this movie, and most are just minor nitpicks. Overall, there is a reason this film is uh, celebrated by so many people, both in and outside of the kaiju community. Because it is a movie that is, is praised even outside the kaiju community. Um, and so while I'll freely admit that it's not perfect, no movie is ever really perfect, but the movie feels complete in a way that not a lot of movies do. And so because of that, I give it five out of five. And you know what? I like that. We don't, you know, even though we don't take ourselves and our rating system all that seriously, um, because rating systems are kind of, you know, they're people get too pedantic about them. So I don't really care, you know, five, four and a half, three, whatever. I don't really care. It's more about, uh, the discussion of the movie that I like the most. Um, so that's why we have fun with it, with our Godzuki scores. But, uh, but yeah, even with that mentality, we still don't give a lot of five out of fives. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's something. Um, all right. So you, are you ready to move into the next uh, segment of the Absolutely. podcast? All right, so, let's do it. You know what time it is. It's time for Kaiju club. Kaiju Clash! Fight! <laughs> uh, so, our last Kaiju Clash, I did share it on Twitter uh, to let people know what the results were because we're recording so far in advance that the actual... Uh, we're not, we didn't discuss it in any of the episodes previous to this. Um, but the Kaiju cl clash results from the last one that we did was Gamera won by 39, uh, by not by 39 votes with 39 votes, which was, uh, equated to 55% of people voted for Gamera over Gigan, the Showa era versions. And can we, uh, can we insert a little um, I told you so voiceover in this. Can we do can we do that? And Travis, will you please remind the folks about what the actual score so far is between us two? It's two. What, what was that? Say that again. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. It, it's two to one. Ah, two to one. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, what's interesting is, and I, I don't mean to knock uh, your your abilities to defend the kaiju that you are defending, but most of the people 
uh, voting on these have not even listened to our episodes to see what our arguments are for it. So most people are making are using their own judgment on this. Okay, uh, so, so look, 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 look. Because I trust, I trust my groupie members, my kaiju groupie members from the kaiju groupie Facebook group. Uh, I trust them. I feel like they're very smart, capable, intelligent people. And I am so happy that they voted overwhelmingly positive for Gamera. Mm, there were there were a few that was that was still for me. Actually, the Facebook group was the closest that we had um, because it was uh, it was only three votes difference because uh, it, Gamera had twenty six votes and Gigan had twenty three, so only three votes difference. Uh, between Gamera and Gigan in that yeah, one. Yeah, you're right. You you're right. I'm 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 overselling it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I will admit I am overselling it just a little bit. You know me, Travis. I have a taste for the for the eccentric. Um, okay. Well, this this time around, we're going to have a clash between two uh two monsters. One we've actually been talking about this whole uh, episode mostly. Um. And because following our rules that we set up that the loser goes first each time around, I get to go first on this one. Again. Yeah, again. <laughs> so uh, this time around, we are pitting Gyra against King Kong. Now, the King Kong that we're pitting against Gyra is specifically the Toho King Kong escapes. Wait, hang on, hang on. You told me I was allowed to use legendary Kong. No, 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 no. And I'll tell you why. There's a really good reason why I specifically chose not just Toho in general, but specifically King Kong escapes uh, uh, King Kong to pit against Gaira. Haro Nakajima plays Gaira, and Haro Nakajima plays King Kong in King Kong Escapes. Okay. So it's Nakajima versus Nakajima. It's because you were scared of those lightning hands is what it was. <laughs> hey, hey, Gyra, Gyra can, you know what? I'm going to get into it. Gyra can handle some high-powered electricity because if you, we just watched this movie, the Mazers and the, uh, the um, high-voltage attacks that they used, yeah, it weakened him. Yeah, it kind of, you know, uh, um, hurt him a little bit, but he still recovered from that. He, he has this fantastic regenerative powers that if anyone is a fan of comic books, he is, his regenerative powers are better than even Wolverines. He can regenerate his entire body from a single cell. He is an excellent hand to hand fighter and he can survive underwater, which if I'm remembering right, let's see, where does King Kong live? He lives on an island surrounded by water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Move on from that. All right. But he takes plenty of direct hits from rockets and cannons. And uh, I'll get into some more. I'll let you, I'll let you defend your, uh, King Kong now. But that's my opening, my opening arguments. You know, those are all very valid points, Travis. Those are valid points. But you know, I hate to I hate to get into the personal attacks, but I'm I'm just not seeing how Gyra is all that smart. 
He just doesn't look like a smart kaiju to me. Uh, okay. And, Gyra was the smartest person in that entire movie because he went to eat that woman who was singing that song. He was the only person who wanted to shut that woman up who was singing that terrible song. So he is smarter than everyone else in that movie. And as we, okay, so that's fair. And I'll just bring it up. Since you brought that up, I will go ahead and concede that King Kong, one of King Kong's main weaknesses is women. You know, mm-hmm. let's just, let's just face it. It's one of his main weaknesses. It's women. Um, He's just, he's just like that. Um, but you know, Kong is smart. Kong is, Kong is very smart. In fact, he's so smart that I think that he could even convince Gyra to jump into that volcano himself. He could just talk Gyra into it. Just like, you know what, Gyra, go, go jump into that volcano. There's lots of, there's lots of goodies in that volcano. Go ahead and jump oh, in there. Give me- Oh, no, Sonda, Gyra's brother couldn't even convince him to stop eating people. You're talking about King Kong convincing him to jump into a volcano? No, no, that is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's King a- Kong's biggest weakness is his relationship with humans, especially women, because he is constantly getting distracted. You know what Gyra doesn't care about? Humans. He will eat them. He will stomp on them. He will push them out of the way. He doesn't give a crap about human life. And so he will charge in and with those teeth and with that brute strength, take King Kong down. I'm glad you said brute. I'm glad you said brute strength. Because King Kong also has brute strength. Anyone who can pry the jaws apart from a massive dinosaur like Gorosaurus has to have some kind of grip strength and some kind of upper body strength to 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 stand up to Gyra. And I'm going to say that, you know, Kong is not that slow. You saw him, if we're talking about Toho Kong specifically uh, in King Kong Escapes, in that movie, he was quick. He was on. He was up and on his feet in no time when he was battling Gorosaurus. And I would. And I'm not gonna. And Gorosaurus is no slouch. I want to say that Gorosaurus would even defeat Gyra. And if Kong was able to defeat Gorosaurus, obviously Kong can defeat Gyra uh, with with even more brute strength. You you look at that. You look at that upper body of of Toho Kong from King Kong Escapes. He is a beast. He is built. He is stacked. Gyra. He has a dad bod. I just don't think that uh, I just don't think Gyra can stand up to the just the raw brute strength power of Kong. But the one thing I keep coming back to is his regenerative powers. How is King Kong going to defeat that? Because no matter how strong King Kong is, he cannot blast Gyra down to where he eliminates every single cell in his body. To be fair, though, even by the by the end of that film, even by the end of uh, War of the Gargantuas, Gyra was still pretty bloodied and scarred up. He d- he can't regenerate that quickly. I, it would all really depend on 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 situational. Uh, it would really depend on on the situation for it, for these two, and it would depend on how quickly you know Gyra could recover. I don't think Gyra could could really even recover quick enough to handle just the onslaught of punches and kicks and bites and 
every, and the just the brute power of Kong. And let's just not and, and let's don't forget, you know, Kong is smart enough too to use weapons. We don't see Gyra use a whole lot of weapons. Yeah, he throws around a few trees, he throws around a few tanks. Yeah, that's fine. But Kong is able to lift huge boulders, these massive mountain-sized boulders that can just bash Gyra over the head. And, you know, it w- I wouldn't put it past my boy Kong to just shove a tree down Gyra's throat either. If he wants hey, to hey, eat- hey, wrong movie. If wrong he movie. wants to eat something, <laughs> Gyra can eat a tree. <laughs> well, all I have to say is all Gyra has to do is get King Kong in the water and then it's all over because Gyra can survive underwater. We saw that. And so, and, and we know King Kong is willing to go into the water because he went into the water going after the, uh, the characters in King Kong escapes and ended up fighting the sea snake that was there. So King Kong is not afraid of water. He'll go into the water. And once he touches the water, it's all over. Gyrus dragging him down to the bottom of the water and goodbye Kong. Okay, so we can probably do this all day long, but Travis, we, but Travis, do you want to tell the folks how they can help us decide who wins here? Yes, so uh, you can now decide who wins between Gyra and King Kong by going to our social medias. We will be posting it on Twitter, a poll. Uh, that will be running for probably about a week after this, uh, you know, uh, when this episode comes out, uh, that you can vote on. Uh, you can also check out the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group and see a poll that we have on there, too, and cast your votes. And also you can comment and reply to us and let us know who you think wins and why. Uh, and should we have brought up a better argument for some of these things? Uh, I didn't even bring up the fact that King Kong got knocked out by a knockout gas. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. So no, no, easily. no. Hang on. Hang on. We're already past the argument. <laughs> okay. We're major uh, arguments. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, check out Kaiju Weekly on Twitter, uh, at Kaiju Weekly. And you can also check out us on the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group to check out. And we will also be posting this as a video, a uh, separate little special video on the YouTube channel. Uh, So check out the Kaiju Weekly YouTube channel, and you can also comment on that and let us know what you think, uh, who would win in this fight. Sure. All right. So the only thing I think we got to do now is just ask the trivia question for next week's episode. We are continuing into our Titans of Toho month, and we're going to be covering another great Toho movie that I've actually never seen before. Um, so the trivia question is, which Toho monster predates the original Gojira film by over 1,000 years? I had to look this one up, too. I, I, I was like, what are we watching? But then I saw it, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so the monster, this monster that appears in Toho films in real life predates the original Gojira film from 1954. By over a thousand years. So if you know the answer, reach out to us and uh, give us your answer. And we will give you a shout out in the episode. Um, I I don't know if we'll be doing, 
we'll still be recording ahead for that episode. But uh, if we if we are, then I'm sorry, I can't give you a shout out. But that still doesn't mean you can't uh, comment on our Twitter and on Facebook. All right. So thank you to everyone for listening to this episode. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, we are at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter and at Kaiju Weekly Pod on Instagram. You can send questions, comments, or answers to trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. You can also find us at the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. Also follow at Kaiju Groupie Pod and the Kaiju Groupie on Twitter and Instagram. That's Michael. And a big thank you, or Sergeant Pepper, as I call him. <laughs> uh, and we also want to say a big thank you to Brian, Shijir, and Thorax for supporting us on Patreon. You can also support the podcast at patreon.com slash kaijuweeklypod, or just by leaving us a review on iTunes, or whatever it's called now. It's not called iTunes anymore. Uh, the, the, the app. The, the, you can do it just in the app. You mean Apple uh, Podcasts? Yeah, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, that thing. Uh, and so, until next time, uh, I'll say help control the gargantua population. Have your gyras spayed or neutered. The words get stuck in my throat. The, the words get stuck, stuck in, in my, my throat. throat. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening. If you're still here. <laughs>